0: Thank wow.
1: Jabrew, the podcast where two friends talk about our two favorite things fish and beer
2: fish and beer yeah you got it right so now i can't make fun of you i know
1: i definitely did fuck up last week because i said the episode not the podcast (laughs) and i didn't realize what you're talking about because i was like yeah we're in like episode 17 (laughs) and i was like i said the right thing and then i went back and listened to it and i did mess it up (laughs) so episode 18
2: That's totally fine because I totally said Mr. Rogers plays awesome piano and it's actually the musical director for Mr. Rogers, who I'm now going down like a deep rabbit hole with.
1: Cool. Whatever, man. It's fun. Yeah, We make mistakes. It's it's friends talking.
2: Friendly fire.
1: It's conversation. Can
2: you imagine like that? I mean, you and I grew up during it. Remember when you used to have arguments and you couldn't look it up on a phone? (laughs) No. And the argument would just drag on, no, I think it's this. No, I think it's that. And you just couldn't Google it. I actually don't. I have a really horrible memory, which really
1: depresses me. But uh, I don't remember what life was like before the internet,
2: and I experienced it. So Yeah, I was there. I used to have two phone lines in my house. My sister used to take up one of the phone lines, and when we needed to use the internet, we had to kick her off the phone. Yep,
1: yep, yep, because you had to dial up. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yep. for
2: sure. <laughs> I,
1: I am so old that I remember in computer class in middle school learning DOS.
2: Yeah, just typing. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they do typing way earlier than... Anyway, digress.
1: Anywho, let's talk some fish. That was It's Ice from 723
2: 2017. The dozen.
1: I think it was the longest version that's been played to date. I can't
2: confirm that, but um, I went through most of the pages. Yeah, I think it right. Yeah, yeah, I think it is. I,
1: and you know what? I like that song um, because I used to hate it, and it's really grown on me. It's definitely one of those songs that I did not used to like at all, and now it's. I'm very fond of.
2: It's your come around song. Yeah, yeah, it's it's second, something. I, it's something second, I've grown your to second like. Second wind song. <laughs>
1: no, no, it's just a song that I I've grown to appreciate musically. I wasn't Got super, it. super fond of it initially. Oh, and, and I picked that as the opener for a very specific reason. Uh-huh. Um. Ben & Jerry's has just announced a new ice cream flavor, and it's a mm. new fish ice cream.
2: Of course.
1: It's called It's Ice...
2: Of dot, course. Dot, 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 cream.
1: <laughs> it's ice cream. I'm and it's re- really funny because I was looking to find this, obviously, I was looking to purchase it, and uh, Ben and Jerry's. I didn't know this. I mean, whatever. I guess a lot of people did. Uh, has like an ice cream finder on their website, so you can find oh, the now. flavor you're looking for. Yeah, and go to said store to
2: purchase it. So they give you direct access to their distribution,
1: not to their distribution, like just, yeah, just yeah, just to let you know where you can get it, which is actually kind of cool, and I think it's nice that they do that. Oh. I find it refreshing. Um, so anywho, uh, the flavor uh of the new it's ice cream is uh caramel malt ice cream with almond toffee pieces uh-huh fudge fish those are also used in the original fish food and a caramel swirl
2: you lost me at fudge fish That's yeah gross. so this
1: this ice cream sounds revolting to me huh I like caramel and I like those fudgy fish because, again, those are in the original fish food. Uh, apparently, this flavor was in contention for the original release of fish food, which, oh. fi- which fish food is amazing. Fish food is like my favorite Ben and Jerry's oh. flavor. Outside, I didn't even know... F- who fish was when i ate fish food
2: um that's funny
1: but the the funny thing is i was like think i was like breaking this ice cream down and i was like man it's like a lot of like caramel flavor and then it kind of just like hit me a little bit depressed me my dad's favorite ice cream is peanut brittle okay and this ice cream to me sounds like a very like old man (laughs) Uh, you know friendly ice cream isn't
2: peanut brittle the whole point is that like you have nuts in it that make it crunchy and you're replacing that he likes like toffee brittle
1: or almond brittle or some fucking gross ice cream flavor man and it's just like what old people like you know how they eat like caramel candies like this reminds me of like an old man's like ice cream do you remember i bet my dad would like this do you remember
2: that commercial with the little kid going to grandma's house yeah and he would like the grandma would like unwrap one for him he'd get all excited yeah yeah
1: my grandparents also, like, had Werther's in a candy jar, like, when I went to go see them.
2: I bet they had a fucking box full of cigarettes, too. That's Caramels. how it used to be.
1: <laughs> so, I was going to try to get this
2: to taste. I would not eat this. Ice but cream I couldn't find it.
1: Me. And, yeah, like, not to be, like, you know, a Debbie Downer, but I don't really have much interest in trying this. But I will support it, obviously, because some proceeds go to the Waterwheel Foundation, which, course, you know. Of course, yeah. Yeah, I will always support. But yeah, so guys, wherever you live, go on Ben and Jerry's. Find it's know, ice
2: cream. Um, random fact: Do you know what lake? I know it's a lake that they're trying to clean up with the Waterwheel Foundation. I forget. Oh, I don't. One.
1: I haven't di- dived that deep. Yeah, it's a cleanup dive.
2: project. It's a cleanup project for cleaning up a lake that's really terribly polluted. Cool. Uh, I want It's obviously probably in Vermont. Uh, I forget though. Don't want to piss anybody off. Um. So.
1: <laughs> anyway, yeah, I just want to mention the the new ice cream. Sweet. Thanks, Ben and Jerry's, or Ben and Jerry, for liking fish and being from Vermont and supporting them. It's cool.
2: Yeah. I uh, feel like
1: that's, like, how you know you've made it when Ben and Jerry's wants to make an ice cream
2: flavor uh, I mean, I th- surrounding I, you. I think they also know their market really well. I feel like they're disputed, uh, distributed, distributed. You got a, lot, a lot through New England, and it would make sense to partner up with Fish, who's very popular in New England. And oh yeah, yeah, of course. Know. See, yeah, I it's, thought it's you were saying like everybody. they
1: know their market. Like the reason why like Stephen Colbert has one and Jimmy Fallon has one is because like people at night, late night, eat pints of cream. ice cream. Yeah, yeah that's uh, what that's what I thought you meant. No, but that's probably which makes true sense. Too. Yeah, yeah, probably yeah. all true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, fish market are,
2: research. You know,
1: fish fans <laughs> are stoners, dude. Eat mm. fucking pine ice cream. Like they, they, yeah, they they know the people that are gonna want to eat their ice cream. Yeah,
2: it's smart. Um. I would like to talk about, um, we had a really interesting uh, conversation the other day. We were talking fish off air and I was showing you uh, the websites, the various websites that break down uh, everybody's rigs um
1: yeah so i whatever i don't want to like admit how like dumb i am for not realizing like people obsess over this because obviously people obsess over every little facet
2: of fish but yeah, i had never yeah, yeah. seen a
1: video break like i'd never seen them describing all of their equipment yeah so and, breaking it down.
2: and this is why it came up uh we've actually done an episode uh that was pretty gear heavy with j3po that was when you were away uh i think you were off in england um and we talked Again, about for me
1: it's just like a curtain that's
2: lifted right right and i think what was interesting in the conversation because obviously j3po and i can f- can nerd out about it as much as we want because we're both musicians and we buy these toys to make sounds and do all this shit um but with you what i really enjoyed about it was uh you kind of got a feeling especially when we were watching page describe his his rig you were getting a really good idea for why like certain instruments are used for certain things
0: yeah,
1: yeah. That was my favorite part. I mean, they obviously describe all of their... Like, Paige describes his 12 keyboards and fucking synthesizers. And yeah. Trey talks about all his pedals and his amps and stuff. But it's... Yeah. Uh, especially the vi- the video I was watching uh, of Paige. He was going to each individual thing. Like, his Moog is this, is that. Uh, his Baby Grand, his little Pumpkin. And he was, he was going like, and I use this for, like, these songs. And he was saying right. the songs. And he would kind of play a little bit of the song. And Trey was doing the same thing. So it's cool, yeah, to know... I mean, could, again, just like yeah, un- unlocks so a little bit of how they make the sounds.
2: My favorite is... uh, Most of their instruments are old as fuck. What's that cover they play? <laughs> There's that... I don't know the lyrics to that song. It's like... <laughs> uh, it's a cover. I forget I what the know. fuck it is. I didn't get it from what you just um, did. Um but the the vocals that they push through are going through a specific uh amp that it, like it spins and it gives a tremolo sound, it like breaks it up. So it sounds like you're speaking through like a fan. So again, you start getting this idea for the reason why they use the equipment to make the sounds that they're going to make. Um
1: Honestly, watching those videos just made me appreciate fish more as musicians because trey said something really cool in the video that i was watching he was like after describing everything that he has and again like i said a lot of his stuff is like old like very old or he's had it a very long time he's like i will maintain to this day it's not like the amount of equipment you have and how newer or whatever it is he's like it's how well you know your own equipment yeah and they know their equipment inside now. Right, so this is and where... It's, a lot of it's custom, too.
2: Yeah, and this is where the conversation that we were having really started to develop for me and really started to be like, damn, this is actually getting really deep, really fast. Um, because like you said, you're, you're not very knowledgeable of the physical gear. Like if I started saying like, oh, like the Yamaha uh, keyboard that Paige uses for Meat Stick, you can identify with Meat Stick, but you don't really know why that Yamaha is like crazy or like you know unique um yeah they were they
1: were were showing you showing you know the viewers how they bend and change and slow down sound they're they're literally showing you how they manipulate sound correct which was cool which is extremely cool
2: yeah and it's not something that uh people generally think about it, especially now just because of technology and the way things change so the the, the where our conversation started getting really interesting is that as we're watching page go through all his keyboards and talk about all this stuff um you also as a musician start to look at it from a footprint perspective right so <laughs> we were can i jok- ask you a
1: quick question does yeah. do you like want to like run out and like do what they do after they describe to you like all their if, like if you were if you play guitar and you were Trey, would you be like, oh, I want to go get that pedal or like I want to go uh, try that
2: out? If I were Trey, I would also own about 20 Languadocs at this point. All He's got different. a couple. He's got way more than a couple. It's well over double digits at this point. So that's what I'm saying. Each one of those guitars is $10,000. So again, if you give me unlimited resources and you told me I could go out and buy a bunch of fun toys, I would totally do it. But no, just like don't. like
1: like know. me, they, like as like a cook, like when I see somebody make something, I immediately want to go try it myself. Or like as yeah. an artist, when I see a cool idea, I'm like, oh, I want to go try that myself. Like, so, would
2: you as a musician? So I'll tell you a funny story. So I um, was singing in my band for the longest time. Our keyboard player had to uh, finish up some school; he was in grad school and left. So I decided that I was going to start playing keyboards in my band. And I went out and I. You know, had some money lying around and I bought the -the state-of-the-art Nord at the time. It was a 5D, now they're they're now up to a 6. Um, And the concept behind that is that you're breaking down four layers, uh, four basic keyboard layers down into one unit. So you have your B3 organ, which Paige uses a lot. You have a piano, a grand piano, or a baby grand piano, as Paige uses. Very important. You have a Wurlitzer and you have an electric piano. So these are all, like, core things. A little pumpkin, as you called it.
1: little pumpkin. That's what he calls it. Baby
2: Grant. So you're They're talking about three things. sides of yeah, his yeah. four-sided, uh, you know, his square that he has around him. Yeah. In one thing. So you're now talking about efficiency and being able to set things up. And, again, when you're not fish and you have to physically set up your own gear, setting up two keyboards is obviously a lot more advantageous than setting up eight. So – your question is kind of double-sided because if i had unlimited resources i would buy everything if i had roadies i would let them set up all my gear and one of the other beautiful things is that you can have them find sounds for you you can go to basically a guy and say Hey, this is the sound that I'm looking for. Can you help me, like, figure out how to create this on a, like an analog synth or or on so this or I, whatever? Can
1: I just jump in? This is this is more my point. So, like, I I look at in maybe in terms of like this is a better way to put it. A photography, right? Like uh-huh. back in the day, I maintained the fact that like shooting 35 millimeter black and white was like the purest, best version of like getting pictures. Huh. You know what I mean? As opposed to like digital replication is it because you had
2: less to work with so you had to be able to manipulate it more because you only have no it's like it's like for instance how
1: like a drum machine sounds mechanical and doesn't can't replicate the nuances of like a person huh would you say that like like so like the reason why like Paige and Trey and like all of them have like so many different things, I think is because they like to have that like unique custom sound and feel well, that I don't think like you're saying four keyboards in one is never going to sound in my mind the way that those four actual keyboards sound in real life.
2: So yeah, this is a, a point. J- like authenticity. I was going to say, yeah, J3PO makes this point. The original timbre, which you and I have spoken about and sure, explained sure, sure, to sure. now at this point, the original, uh, fingerprint of the instrument sounds better when it's the original unit than right. when it's digital. Right. So you're right. And again, so now we're just talking about the economics of being a band and, and playing is if you can afford to have all the original shit, have all the original shit. Right. If right. You right. Can, right. Whatever. Um, They've also like built
1: this up over like 30 something years.
2: But here's where the interesting part comes to play. And this is the question I ask you, the person who's not as knowledgeable about gear and not about whatever if Paige had three keyboards in front of him, as opposed to having eight surrounding him, or more than eight now we're talking at this point, it's almost like three aside. so we're at, what, three, 12, 12 keyboards? mm mm-hmm. And, you know, tam- like, original timbre of the way a B3 organ sounds from the Nord, like, I don't think you'd be able to tell the difference. Huh. So I, what I do think is that, um, so you're it's saying it's the, purism, you're saying it's no. You know? So
1: you're saying it's their preference, not a necessity, to have the instruments that they have.
2: Yeah, honestly, also uh, a keyboard in its original form, or uh, you know, a guitar or a pedal in its original form is easier to start fucking around with and really tuning your sound to than it is to have it being this digital thing because every time a keyboard is replicated or you know digitized and someone physically records it with a microphone and pulls it into a, a keyboard and gives you all these knobs to play with you're now having to learn another like skill you have to learn how to manipulate the sound as it exists in that specific keyboard if that makes any sense, so yeah, yeah, for sure. If I could explain it simply, a B three organ has a lot of pull bars at the top, and all the different pull bars would be the same. If you were on like a big, like Catholic cathedral organ, you're basically opening and closing pipes, so you're right. adding and right, subtracting right, right. sound from it. That's gonna make it sound like um, tremolo. Tremolo is like the wah 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 wah. Like when it starts oscillating and stuff and you can add more horns to the section because organ at the end of the day is basically trying to replicate uh, trumpets, trombones, a brass section. Right. So it was a way for big cathedral churches to pump air through pipes as opposed to having, you know, 20 people show up and play a bunch of trumpets and all this other shit. Um that's the way I think of it. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like, again, you're talking about just being economical and just like shaving this shit down. So it's like if you want the real sound of shit, it's like the same way that people do it with vocals too. An artist can walk into a studio and sing all the parts themselves, do some stuff in falsetto, kind of sound like they're a girl a little bit, and then sing in their full voice, sing harmonies for themselves. But what you're what you were saying before applies to that as well. It doesn't sound as full as it would if... You know, they just hired all those people to just do all those parts and whatever. It, 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 there's a difference to it. And sure. That's also an idea in recording, too. And that's a big argument with Fish when you listen to studio albums as opposed to live. Studio albums enable you the ability to go back and do it over and over and over again until it's absolutely perfect. So there's a mechanical like like feel to it almost where you're just like this is like overproduced to the point that it's too perfect. Right. And there's this 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 like there's certain people who listen to fish where they're like I only listen to live shit. That's me. Um, I hate studio recordings. They're too clean. And I'm the opposite. I as someone who struggled. uh, Do you think that's because you're a musician? No, I think it's just because my qualm is vocals and that's where vocals are right. Because you can do them over and over and over again until they're absolutely perfect. And when you see Fish live, the vocals are never so, I mean, none of them are, you know, they're all like B-minus singers. So even when they're all together and they're helping to cover up their their, their mistakes and their, you know, being out of pitch, at best, it's a B. At its best.
1: Yeah, well, okay, well. Uh, I did want to touch on a comment you made the other day, which I really thought was cool and it made me think. Uh, but definitely, if you haven't, check out those like YouTube videos on their rigs. Because the way that, uh, even just the way that like Trey talks about the sounds that he's making is really cool. Yeah, And he kind of like, not like dumbs it down, but like he definitely describes, like in one, in like you're saying, like in one scene he was like, yeah, I like this pillow because it sounds like, you know the music's fading away from you or like driving away from you no, rather he, than coming at you he or, plugged it in backwards yeah yeah so yeah. he
2: reversed the circuit so that instead of the pedal's typical nature of making things decay over time it pushes over it time it's coming at you. yeah yeah that's yeah. what i'm
1: saying so but even though so, the language they use is very interesting and it again just makes me appreciate fish a lot more
2: yeah I, I, it makes you realize that there's a lot more thought and understanding right the, right right of so, course Anybody again. So now do the inverse. Imagine someone who's only ever played uh baby grand p- uh, piano and then all of a sudden you're just like here's 30 things that you can play with. Right. It's going to take them a really long time to like go through all that stuff and to figure it out. And in certain cases keyboards is like the most uh I I would probably say keyboards and drums are probably the easiest ones to like talk about. Um there's A very different type of technique that's used when you start adding equipment. So an organ is played differently than a piano, which is played differently than a Wurlitzer. It's like the way you conceptualize how you're going to add your sound to the music is different. So piano is super flashy and it like punches through a lot. An organ is really fat. The sound fills up really quickly. So you actually have to play less notes. It's counterintuitive. So at most you're playing like three fingers at a time. Sure. And you're raking the whole keyboard. That's why like Paige comes in and he sweeps the whole.
1: Yeah, I love watching him. And he's like, like pet the keys. Yeah. And then
2: <laughs> with like a Wurlitzer or electric piano, it's like this smooth, like really full. So you're kind of like holding chords and very subtly doing resolves and like changing the key very slightly so that things like, yes, but that's, out. that's like, the
1: funny thing. Right. And that's why when we were watching those rig videos the other day. I was saying, if you were there roadie and you set up, you know, like d- fucking pages, 12 keyboards I think it'd be funny. Like, I I said to you, I was like, oh, if you were already, would you be like, man, I hope he uses, like, this tonight? Like, because it's like having a palette of colors in front of you, he might not use, depending on what they play, depending on how he feels, he might not use certain things. But here's
2: the thing, like, you kind of, and this is. Just having access to it. If I could ever be critical about, uh, to Paige about anything, and, like, I can't, I really can't. This is probably the only thing I could ever be critical about. The lawn boy that we saw during the Baker's dozen is a perfect example. When he comes out and he plays the Moog that's the elect the guitar um it's awesome and it's crazy and it's an analog synth and it sounds really great, but because of its age and because of when it was built, it's only meant to play one sound at a time ever. So when he comes out in the front and he starts playing and he starts soloing, it's very obvious. If you go back and you actually watch the video, it's on YouTube, it's one of their uh, live fish releases, it's in HD, it looks really fucking awesome. Um, You can tell as he's going into his solo that he gets tired of the sound. And he drags out the solo for a little longer, but then he immediately walks back to his keyboards. Because after, especially with analog synths specifically, that voice gets so... um, push to the forefront of your ears so quickly that you're you just get tired of it really fast yeah so the beauty of keyboards is the fact that he's surrounded by so many and this is where i think he's not like using the potential of the gear that he has he's got a nord stage two sitting right in front of him that's how he plays all the stuff from the uh the halloween set all those like sound effects are pre-recorded into that Nord. The so samples, it's like, yeah. He's got an insane amount of sounds that are already programmed in that Nord. And a lot of them are not the other 12 keyboards that are surrounding him. They're, it, it's everything else. And the cool thing about being a professional musician at that level is that you get to walk up to a sound guide after and just be like, hey, you know what? I'd really like this sound. Can you, like, make this happen? And, like, like I don't have time to figure it out, and I just want it done. Like, can you just do that? Yeah, that must and, be like, really cool. I That's the part that I, as a, a, you know, an amateur musician who plays around, you know, local bars around New York City, that's what I wish I had. Yeah. Fuck the roadies. Fuck everybody else. I walk up to a guy, and I was like, hey, you know that sound from this one specific song, like the the synth sound from toto's africa in the solo and toto's africa i <smelling> want that
1: <inaudible> i want
2: that yeah i want that on my keyboard and i want it to be preset 23 so when i hit preset 23 that's the exact sound that i have so like that's the thing that i wish that i could just have like you know just um un- limitless resources to grab all the sounds that could layer a song anyway that yeah, I yeah yeah for sure for sure um but anyway, at the same I think time, it's a is, paradox of choice. It's a, I think this but,
1: yeah. is leading us into, again, a point that you made the other day that I really wanted to touch on. You said you thought that Fish as a band is so great because they make music that's complicated enough for musicians to enjoy, but also that's simple enough that kind of grabs everyone.
2: Yeah, and I, that, that statement comes off of what we were talking about with Matt a lot when we yeah. had him on uh, – it It's he, he framed it the best way I've ever heard someone frame it is that like sometimes your ear the same way as it, like your palate for drinking beer or like, you know, just uh, being ready to be exposed to something. Just you're, you're just not ready yet. And. Somehow fish has found this like happy medium of being able to apply to kind of everybody
1: yeah yeah exactly so
2: there are songs out there that are uh you know again from a musician's standpoint really simple they're three chord vamps there's three major changes in it and that's it and th- there's a beauty in its in its simplicity and then there's songs like fluffhead you enjoy myself petrichor that are so orchestrally composed and so complicated but if i played you both of them uh, you know both types of type a and type b back to back you would love them both the same and 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 like we could uh, start picking them apart and doing whatever but they just have appeal to so many people
1: right but i also and, think like their their music in its entirety is not either or it's both it's yeah. both complicated and simplistic
2: yes yes and it's and it's amazing how they've found a way to layer their music in such that someone who studies the most complex jazz, I, I my favorite uh, point is there was a, I forget which, I think it was like, <laughs> I uh, for some reason, cause I'm like old musician, Willie Nelson, but it's not Willie Nelson. It's this other dude um, talk shit on fish when they were playing MSG like two years ago. And it was just like, Oh, that like shitty jam band. And like people like, Started like hitting him back on Twitter and being like, You actually have never listened to fish before, maybe you should actually listen to them. And then, after like giving them a good solid, he was just like, Oh shit, the stuff that they're doing is actually really crazy. Um, my other favorite is like when Metallica was videoed during their uh practice, right after fish was uh, had done their baker's dozen, and they're just sitting there playing and they're just like, Yeah, man, did you hear about these guys fish? And they just went and played MSG and they played. It was 246 songs, never a repeat. 246 songs. We could never do that. That's yeah. fucking nuts. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, seriously. So it's, again, you have these people who are like, professional musicians admitting that you know these leaps and bounds that they're taking are just insane, and that comes up a lot when you talk to someone who doesn't understand fish. Um, the biggest argument I feel like we ever make for ourselves is why do you go to so many shows, and it's like. Most people are so uh, are produced in such a way that you know someone writes their songs for them, hands it to them, and says, "Hey, sing this." shit. I
1: mean, and the reason like, why you go to so many shows is because the music is in constant flux and they're in constant evolution, exactly. and things change constantly. Exactly. But that that in and of itself is completely unique to fish, and we've talked about this yeah. many times before. But I think I just wanted to the way you put it is very interesting to me because. I mean, I'm not like I'm always like looking to like recruit people to like fish, but I'm always looking for a way to describe why I think their music is so unique and the way you said it was really interesting. It appeals to a a very, very broad group of people. I think uh, the I think we should get into our the topic that I think we should get into the topic of your Facebook page
2: god we were just going I, so I just, deep I just we were just think going so deep and you want to just talk about it okay, yeah, okay. I, just, I just think That's that you know fine.
1: why because my mind goes to I think the, the guy who kicked you out would love this whole segment because we've talked about music uh-huh. like fish's actual music for like 30 minutes now
2: yeah um, <laughs> okay so let's try to make this story as short as possible so I actually just recently got kicked out of uh, addicted to fish. Um basically, long story short, uh Anthony Bourdain, as everyone is well aware at this point, unless you haven't turned on the television, uh, passed away. Um a guy posted in Addicted to Fish a video of him going to see Anthony Bourdain speak at some event and goes up to the microphone and says, Hey, so uh love you like love everything you do and i've heard uh rumors that you're not into the dead or into fish can you tell me about that and bourdain goes off for like like three minutes straight just talking about how like he's not into hippies and the dead or whatever the guy interjects and he goes well what about fish and he's just like well if i wanted to hear a 10 minute gu- guitar solo and was like you know trying to blow my brains out like or whatever he doesn't say that but like he's just like oh you know like you know if i wanted to just do something boring and he it was funny and contextual to the actual group because it's about fish and it was like a haha. And then he was also just like, you know, pay my respects, rest in peace. One of the admins of the group and one of the rules of the group, uh, just to preface, is that it has to be fish related. Right. Um, immediately comments underneath and says this is just a warning. This is not fish related at all. Uh, any comments about Anthony Bourdain should be like left from the group. Oh, uh, and uh um, Dude, it,
0: admins
1: it, have the right to pull stuff down
2: yes okay and they can, it, so there's there's a uh, level of censorship there's all this shit so uh a bunch of people in support of this guy this uh we'll use his first name Will are just like what are you talking about this is totally fish related not only that it's also dead related it's so jam band related it's got so much relevance to like everything that we talk about and all this shit and and it was topical it was he a, like he gets so mad that he deletes the entire thread the admin so people as a result start posting new posts fresh posts are just like hey like to will like that was such an awesome video i'm sorry it was taken down it was so cool to like watch you go out there and like in a group on a mob of people just bring up fish and bring up the grateful dead in front of this guy who's like known to be super arrogant like whatever and the admin, this admin in question just starts booting all these people who are like responding to this one specific post. Um so, so you got kicked out of the group. Keep going. So the <laughs> admin uh starts defending himself and being like, this is why I'm doing it. We have a very specific rule not to talk about anything that's not fish. This said admin has been posting videos of like teenagers playing guitar who's like, I wish they could play with fish. All this other shit that's not abiding to his own rules. And I right. call him out and he kicks me out. Right. Um, this is all why I, I don't do Facebook. But anyway, yeah. you know, you know what's been really great. Uh, I found uh, a couple other groups before this one, and come to find that these groups have spawned because uh, Addicted to Fish is the largest fish group on Facebook. Oh, okay. They've got twenty seven thousand people in this group. Dang, it's a shit ton. So, I found this other group that's uh, definitely fifteen hundred people deep. Uh, a lot of them have been booted from addicted to fish and this group is like like the result of this extreme censorship and like this incredible hypocrisy and it's funny how through this beef i've actually found some other uh fish groups floating around there i'm now i went from being in like two groups to being in like 12 groups overnight um and and you started your own right i started my own for the love of fish (laughs) <laughs> for the love of fish <laughs> uh it's a cool. hundred people strong it only started a week great. ago this is all super recent this cool, is cool, all cool. super raw um everybody's great in the group and uh the only difference between that and addicted to fish is that uh addicted to fish didn't allow uh streaming of any type of fish content so if you went to like a tab show and you were actually in the crowd and you wanted to throw up your phone and throw on facebook live they would knock it down and block you and ban you from the group why um their logic is that you should support Fish as the band and like pay money and do whatever. I decided to take that I I decided to take that rule out because as much as we would all love to go to Fish shows, there are actually people out there who would like to go see them who just can't afford it. Isn't that also like so, the
1: antithesis of everything fish believes in? Yes. Like share music, free so. music, yep, access to so. it. That's yeah, why yeah. they
2: let people in with field recorders. That's why people yeah. can put up video cameras if they bring yeah. them in. Like it is the antithesis of what they stand for. So I decided that like, while this group is really big and it's really awesome, there's no reason why like other things can't come from it and sure. Use it as an opportunity to start building this new thing. So awesome. We'll see what happens. Um,
1: cool. So, are we? Are you gonna start creating questions for?
2: I already have for the love of fish. Oh, oh cool. Oh, okay, they're so coming. we're gonna have
1: future segments
2: where specifically from the questions and uh, what I'm you really interested in now. So now the the shoes on the other foot. Right. I used to go into this into this group of a plethora of fish fans and find all these questions that I got to sift through. Now, what I'm really interested in is that I've asked a couple questions so far that have like sparked these incredible threads. And people just sharing awesome content and awesome experiences of like going to fish shows and like seeing stuff. Um, (laughs) I will admit that some of them have come off of like hokey things like Throwback Thursday and being like, hey, what's like something like you you did in like 1.0 that's like really awesome and just like watching. just uh, my favorite uh, response to one of the questions that is asked when you join the group is your favorite fish moment. Yeah, and someone said it was like a close tie, and it was like jam night at Baker's dozen, which is like everyone's an favorite all moment. time favorite high. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one is Page crying at Coventry. Those are yeah,
1: those are two bookends <laughs> <laughs> for sure,
2: high and low. And it's like damn man like it's already making me like feel so so great about again the 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 one thing that i think really pulled me in to being a fish fan is the community and like how you can have a solo experience at a concert you're not with anybody you know you're whatever but you're still having a great time i think the best way anyone's ever explained it to me is that you've never seen true happiness until you see a pan of the audience at a fish show yeah
1: (laughs) yeah man (laughs) <laughs> they're like fish are like the ultimate djs they know how to set a mood make everybody feel good you know and create a party pocket. yeah, yeah create a pocket. party cultivate that's this true. awesome
2: shared experience they're just like huh, that's interesting that you say that yeah they're like they're yeah. like in the 70s all over again with turntables and they can extend a song and yeah, do cool shit that's interesting yeah yeah have to unpack that I sometime. just want to
1: quickly also like uh I've been kind of like whatever I when I clean my apartment I listen to Fish and uh I always just leave it on you know I leave Fish playing whatever and the other day we, you we were actually watching a video and we were watching it because you were trying to find yourself in the crowd there's a there's a there's a video of <laughs> oh you yeah if you ever want to see the friends. kid himself yeah, yeah our yeah, friends yeah, yeah I know what you're talking about <laughs> but um. After you know, it was YouTube. Actually, it was videos. So uh I just let it play. I you know I started cleaning my apartment. And I just let what you had play. So it was just video so after video, video a yeah, 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 video. Yeah, yeah, video yeah, like yeah. you know on Hulu or whatever. Yeah, and uh yeah. there were a couple songs that were playing, and and all of a sudden I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like I just got had a moment where I was just like, damn, what show is this? You know, like when something crazy is happening and you just like have to go check. Yeah. Um. So it. I just wanted to quickly bring up the show ten twenty two thousand ten. Um, it's a show where they tease guy through like a ton of the second set. And the the song I heard that caught me was Wilson. Uh, and they do the do, 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 do. And it's like, do, 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 do. So they do that tease in that. And then they literally carry that through three other songs. Saw it again, antelope and Bowie. And they're, it's great. It's just uh, all of those songs are fantastic. And then hearing the guy tease in there is cool. So yeah, so that was Just in, check that yeah. that that show so out 1020,
2: the, 2010 Yeah, 1020, 2010 is in Utica, New York. It's yeah. My Soul uh, Stealing Time from the faulty faulty plan, Vultures, uh Wolfman's Brothers Cities, Gaiuti, David Bowie, Wilson, McGrupp and the Watchful Hostmaster, Saw it again run like an antelope. Set 2 is Drowned Sand, theme from the bottom, Axilla, Birds of a Feller Feather, Tila, Split Open and Melt. Have Mercy, Piper, Split Open and Melt, Slave to the Traffic Light, and then the encore is Good Times, Bad Times. That's a fucking dope show. Yeah,
1: just ch- just check that out for the Gay T show. It was awesome. I love Gay and it was just really cool to hear the the way that Trey kept working it in. And it's funny, because, again, I was watching the videos, so watching him, like, giggle as he was, like, yeah, teasing, teasing it into it, all yeah. these different parts was really, really cool.
2: That's dope. Yeah, yeah. All right, so why don't we go out... Um I'm that guy yeah I was gonna say there's so much
1: to to pick no no go out on that Wilson go out on that have you done Wilson
2: already um who cares yeah go out on that Wilson the fish repeats every like four shows that's <laughs> cool right <laughs> 10 20 2010 10 20 2010 alright so we will be back after a short 15 minute break uh... <laughs>
0: Let's see. Before I get a drink, we lie on frozen warhols with its poison in our minds, while the birds that spot our children are encased in a
1: I am the Lizza. We never did this. I'm
2: the Lizza. No, we did. We did no, do no,
1: it. we didn't do the intros in the beginning. Yeah, we did. Did we? No, we didn't. I don't remember. How many if beers we did. have
2: you had? No, I've had literally one. zero.
1: I've had zero. We're about to get into it. That's why I've had zero. I've been I've been waiting very patiently for what we're about to get into here, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So uh, I had the privilege of being invited up to uh, Be United Importers this week. And Be United is exactly that. It's, well, I mean, it's much more than that. But it's, it's an importing company that brings a lot of really awesome um, beer produced outside the United States to the United States. And they uh, do it in a lot of really cool,
2: unique, creative ways. Don't you just put it on a boat or on a plane and just ship it? (sighs) There's so much more to
1: it than that. Go on. So, anyway, um, Be United is located in Oxford, Connecticut. It's in just like a cute little uh, farmhouse. There's actually two of them. Uh, It's on a ginormous property. The property contains grapes that they grow themselves uh, they have a whole greenhouse full of exotic fruits. Literally exotic, like stuff I've never heard of. Exotic citrus fruits that they use in their beers. We're actually going to taste one today that have some of that in it. Um, they have beehives where they cultivate their own honey. Their driveway is lined with citrus trees. It's essentially like a, a farm, brewery, importing, tasting room operation they have going on there. It's It's the coolest thing ever uh if you're anywhere near there at any time i recommend going very very highly um be United was started in 1994 and essentially it was just because this one family wanted to bring over a bunch of international beers to America and uh, expose us to really fucking awesome beers from abroad. So um, they, some brands that they actually import here are Harveston, Hit the Chino Nest, uh, J.W. Lee's, Day Dole, uh Baladan is another really big one that I'm kind of into right now from Italy. Um but they they are essentially like mad scientists that play around with beer, and they have the luxury of kind of just experimenting with all these different types of beer uh it's a playground for beer nerds honestly uh it's super fucking cool also uh additionally the b united houses o e c which is a brewery out of Connecticut. Um, that focuses a lot on uh, kind of crazy fermentation, barrel aging, uh, souring beer, all different types of stuff. We actually they took us into the ferment fermenting room at B United, and they showed us all the different types of vessels that they ferment beer in, and it's everything from like gourds, like hollowed out gourds, to these giant porcelain Egyptian looking. Wait, wait, wait,
2: wait! You're nerding me out. You have me at gourds. Define a gourd. Gourds, like What's Like a, what, what is it? Like what a is it?
1: pumpkin family. It's a vegetable in the pumpkin oh, family. Oh, Okay, okay, sorry. So they sorry, ferment sorry, sorry, in sorry. anything from gourds.
2: they have these wait, giant. Wait, wait, port- wait, wait, wait! You got me again. They hollow out a pumpkin. And ferment in a, a g- hollowed-out pumpkin? Gourds, yes. That's not pot. What? Yes, it
1: is. They ferment in uh, these giant terracotta pots. These things literally
2: look like they were shipped over from Egypt. That makes sense because that's how beer used to be made. It's porous. Yep. Yeah, but 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 pumpkins? They have uh, <laughs> these giant
1: granite round vessels that they ferment in. Uh, it's, it's it's incredible. Honestly, this place is fucking fantastic. Uh so I brought back some OEC beer.
2: So yeah, you have to go to a little you know pretend like no one's ever seen this before. What's OEC? Like why are like why does that have anything to do with Be United and Because they're gotta, on the gotta, same
1: gotta... premises. They use the grapes that they grow at Be United. They use the citrus fruits they grow at Be United. It's okay. an, it's an offshoot of what Be Un- like it's Be United started out and then OEC kind of spawned off that. Right.
2: So what's OEC's like affiliate like what do they benefit by being a part of be united like what is it's, it's, ang- f- it's what's one their the, angle like yeah what's it's one that?
1: of the family members that so be united is run by a family
2: no, of no, people. No, no 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 i get it i get it but like i be united is a massive importer of beer and they like do all this shit what does the oec benefit by partnering with them like
1: they're not partnering it's all the same thing
2: right i, I so again what's the what do they do what what they makes make them beer unique? they brew beer but they, did, they they blend most, beer, they brew beer. Okay, there we go. They I don't beer. you're
1: fucking annoying me right now.
2: Sorry, but I at you're, the not, point, you're
1: not making a conversation. The point easy. that I'm trying to
2: make <laughs> that they do that makes them unique in being a part of Be United or a subdivision of Be United, as you say it, is that they have access to all this imported shit and the big thing they do is blending and a lot of their blending has to do with the product they receive from overseas. Incorrect. No. They're brewing beer here. That's
1: OEC. That's com- just separate from Be United. Be United imports beer. Right. And the cool thing that Be United does is more than just taking cases, you know, from whatever this place in Italy and shipping it here on a on a ship. Is they do it in a lot of very creative ways. And they give brewers there, very small, tiny family brewers, outlets to produce their beer here. Right. So a brewery over there that's super tiny that can't produce uh, beer in cans because there's no canning line they ship a tankard over here keep it temperature controlled the entire time get it here and then can here in connecticut stateside off the tankard and give that brewery the opportunity to get distribution in the states because they have the means and the access
2: to a canning line mm. They're doing a lot of
1: cool stuff that you probably wouldn't appreciate. because It's very subtle and nuanced. For example, uh, I'm just
2: not very well versed in like. Well, I know we can talk about this because all.
1: you tried it, or you should have tried it the other day. I saw you purchase it from the store. Schlankerla Hellas. I
2: still have not opened it yet. Sorry. Okay, well here's I, a cool. I bought little... it, but yeah, I bought it, but I didn't buy. I didn't, I didn't open it. Yeah, sorry.
1: Here's a cool factor about Schlankerla Hellas, right? The stuff that is put into bottles in Germany. Is different from the stuff that is being canned here. Okay, the beer there has to be filtered. So, in a bottle, if you drink Schlanker La out of a bottle, that beer is filtered because they can't guarantee that that bottle is going to be kept at a certain temperature the entire time. So, they have to filter it. But canning it here, they ship it here in a tankard, and we can it here. The beer does not have to be filtered, so the beer is unfiltered and unpasteurized and put in a can here. So it's it's actually, it sounds like a very small, nuanced thing, but it's, yeah. a, it makes a huge difference on the beer and impacts the final product of that beer very well.
2: Why is, why is the rule the way it is? I would almost kind of expect it to be the opposite in terms of an import, something that came in from another place. I would expect it to not have to be, or I would expect it to have to be imported, filtered, and all this shit to FDA, you know, right? F- whatever the compliance is, it's coming from somewhere else. You have to make sure everything's like, that's just, I'm sorry. I just think of it backwards. Expect it to be the reverse.
1: It's just different. It has nothing to do with our regulations. It just has to do with the brewery.
2: Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, don't you, wouldn't you think that like they, I mean, it's like standards you're saying. It's not so much that it's like a requirement, it's just standards that they have. Okay, that makes sense, sorry.
1: Should we taste some beer? Yeah. Cool, so these cans are from OEC. Um, the first one we're going to try is Exilis. This is um a beer they brewed and canned because I think they wanted something low ABV, and they wanted something that people could kind of like you know, quote unquote, mow their lawn and drink. Uh, and the uh, OEC lately has been talking a lot about kind of um, usability, is their new word, usability, right? They are known for doing like barrel aged sour beers, and that's a very specific niche. And I think that they're trying to kind of climb into different parts of the beer industry and the beer scene. Uh, so they're, you know, they're, they're ex- experimenting with different EBVs, uh, canning, kind of again, making things a little bit more user friendly uh, for beer consumers. So Exilis is a Berliner Weiss that is dry hopped with Halatar Blanc
2: huh. hops. I, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think I've ever even heard. That hop, I really got to start making German beer. I was it's, just
1: gonna say it's a German, it, it's a it, classic it, German it's, hop. It's
2: it's a mountain that I choose not to climb because this the like the the top of it just seems so grand that I just let's just not do it. Say we did. <laughs>
1: Brewing with uh hops outside of the United States or no, brewing with no
2: brewing with German standards like it's to such a like absurd like uh critical like everything has to be so perfect that at a homebrew level it almost seems like what's the point in trying to achieve this thing when you know it's just it, you're rolling a dice when you make homebrew, you're basically accepting to some degree that because you're only like sixty to whatever percent like efficient. That even when you're ballparking and you can like fine tune it and you can, you know, calculate your sparge water, you can do all this shit to try to get as tuned as you can. There's still such a variability, like over 40%, that if you were to make a German beer over and over and over again, you'd start getting frustrated and pissed off. So it's, it's just like the thing that you're least likely to gravitate towards just because you're, again, climbing a mountain that you could never actually climb. German beers just require so much precision that you're chasing something that you're not going to be able to achieve. There are things that you can do at a homebrew level to do that, like recirculating systems and all this different shit. But if you don't, it's just like, then what's the point?
1: Yeah, sure, sure. I mean... So
2: these types of beer are really awesome to me to try, especially as someone who doesn't drink (laughs) much to what I'm not already exposed to. um, These beers and just see how subtle and how balanced and how... I, I run, I'm sorry, my limited vocabulary. Oof. I run of words to describe.
1: Let me read a little bit about this beer. Exilis is a Berliner Weiss brewed using a, a traditional three-part decoction, using the thin part of the mash for the final decoction. The hops are added during the first decoction. Unboiled, the beer then sits in the cool ship overnight. The next day, it is transferred to open fermentation tank and pitched with some house yeast, making it a semi-spontaneous fermented ale. So the first thing that kind of blew me away is the fact that this is canned. They say semi-spontaneous, but I never really knew you could do that. And I actually learned today you could even do secondary fermentation in a can. You can dose a can with more additional sugar, yeast, and it can keep developing in a can, which is fantastic. God, I love cans uh dry hop ing exilis right after primary fermentation as a unique twist by not only imparting flavors and aromas from the hops but also slowing down the activity of the souring bacteria allowing the beautiful wheat beer esters to stay around longer
0: i couldn't how, agree more with that description. how did
2: no one ask about cans popping off like i i can imagine sure i can imagine <laughs> that at this level and how long this brewery has been around that they have this shit down to a science i'm pretty sure they know their exact shelf life before it becomes a potential to start
1: yeah they don't distribute this anywhere either so this beer is super fresh and consumed super fresh
2: yeah that's what i'm saying there's no reason for them to have to worry about it shelf life and it actually blowing its lid off
0: hmm.
2: it is insanely have you tried it? Sharp, yeah. You think so? Yeah, I want like a super salty or creamy cheese to go with this or something like, I don't know. It's like so very... you think this has
1: high acidity? Yeah. And it's insanely sharp. Not very round. No. Not too balanced. It's it's pretty puckery. Yeah. Sure.
2: I can, after, the, the way I like to describe it is after I drink it, I can feel all the individual bumps on my tongue.
1: Yeah. It's definitely very, very, very high acid, uh, which has been a trend in American brewing. And it was something I was actually having a conversation today about. Europeans and and people abroad are generally more about kind of blending things and aging things, which makes uh, flavors a lot more, like I said, subtle and round and kind of cultivated and balanced. And again, classic American, we do tend to do everything over the top. Do you have anything to say or you're just going to eat in the microphone?
2: Not only over the top, but, like, not with, like, grace. Like, you can make something, like, super buttery. I think of like. French so do you think chip. this is
1: bullshit? Do you think this beer is any more accessible than a normal sour?
2: Um, For
1: their standards, I think this is a very tame beer. But I think for general consumption, I don't think this is a there very are some, di- like, uh, you know, there's some things that we can't describe
2: in this beer. And it's like so I'm looking at it in my glass right now and it looks like. Like a party's happening in my c- fucking glass, a party like, yeah, there are very many streams of like bubbles, like constantly percolating to the top of my uh, like See, I actually especially- think this beer is undercarved. I think also because of the extreme tartness, it over exemplifies the carbonation. Like it, again, it, it it feels like it scrapes your tongue with like a comb you would use to brush a cat. It's like yeah, super. Yeah, see, sh-
1: I don't, like, I don't. I actually think it's smooth.
2: Look at look at the, look at my glass right here. All these bubbles that are just constantly just like drink the beer. I did, and I I dog sniffed it the way you taught me the bloodhound. Yeah, what you said.
1: I actually think this beer is incredibly smooth on the palate. Again, undercarbed.
2: I think you're talking about <laughs> mouthfeel. No, I'm talking about carbonation. High uh,
1: carbonation scrapes your tongue. The bubbles physically scrape your tongue. See, I think, I think this, this is undercarbed and smooth. Uh,
2: I think this beer finishes really velvety on your tongue, but as it's going across your tongue, because of the high carbonation, scrapes it. So you get scraped first, and at yeah. the end you're left with a coat of like everything behind it, which you can argue, which makes your point, so I'm agreeing with you, that... <laughs> it is well rounded because that velvetyness that comes behind the actual physical like carbonation and the sourness like leaves you in a good spot the the great thing about this sour is that i drink it and again i've said this so many times i'm not thirsty after i drink it and that's my biggest criticism of any sour what makes me love a sour to the end of time is that i can continue to drink it as long as i want and it's not going to turn me away and I think that's really insanely difficult to accomplish anytime you're making a sour. I think any sour I've ever had, I'm just like, well, it could have just been a little less. Like, uh, it, and, and again, as someone with limited vocabulary, it's almost like sucking on a salt stick. I don't even know if they make salt sticks, but that's what I would compare it to. It's just like afterwards, I'm just like, please, for God's sakes, give me the coldest bottled water that you can give me. like. The this beer doesn't shit. leave you salty. Uh, no. This beer doesn't leave you wanting water. It leaves me with the essence of the sour. Like they, I have tartness left over in my mouth. Like you know, I kind of sucked on the lime a little bit. I have all uh, the 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 inklings and like key points of it being a sour, but it's not that bad. Like thirsty, so acidic that like it burns down my esophagus. Sure. I can feel it hit my stomach. Sure, like I'm you know. Gonna burp a bunch for the next twenty minutes. Like there, it it is really like velvety on the back end and like super smooth. So it's for a sour, one of the most well balanced sours I've ever had. Awesome. And I am curious. Like uh, the, my immediate like reflex as a brewer is to be like, oh, there's lactose in that beer.
0: Nope.
2: And there's not. Wrong. I I'm duh. they don't use that shit yeah and they don't it's German fucking beer they don't do that shit this is not German beer I uh, OEC is a brewery in Connecticut it's a German style beer
1: can I ask you a question for all of your traveling how is it
2: you are so naive to imported beer um it's obvious like a obvious like product of the way that beer is sold when I've been abroad so Try to make my point as quickly as possible in Munich when I was there and literally going around to a bar like every 10 minutes, sit down, have a beer, go to the next bar, sit down, have a beer, go to the next bar. And I took a really like lengthy journal of like, this is the first time I've ever like tried to like super like nosedive, like beer nerd into getting into shit. And it was really, really hard to find different types of beer. So uh, a comp- uh, a brewery would just like own out the entire like two to three mile or it's too big. So let's say like one mile radius of like where you were. So like Hofbrau House had like the five bars in the vicinity of like direct downtown of like the Munich, like northeast sector. And then like, uh, I forget the name of right, it. Right, but you're you know? talking about bars. I'm talking about breweries. I didn't go to brew, like well, the, I was only in Munich. So I was only in like it's like being you've in You've been York to other places in the world. But you're talking about abroad.
1: I'm talking about anywhere in Europe.
2: Yeah, yeah. In How Europe. is it
1: you know so little about <laughs> beer that's produced outside of this country? Yeah, but
2: I would say mostly A because the the time that I spent outside the country up until uh the last trip I took to Munich, Prague and Dublin. Uh, I didn't give a shit about beer, so I wasn't really trying to care and, like, look into shit. I was t- I was drinking, like, whatever was available. So, like, what about Newark. now,
1: though? You're a brewer. Don't you look for, like, influences all over the world to kind of re-
2: play with? I mean, mostly right now in the style of beer that I'm making, most of it is either Belgian or American style. So, no. If I am looking, I'm looking towards, like, belgian style shit and there's very like many a plethora of examples of that and even american examples of that like allagash is my like favorite brewery of all time so it's super easy to not if i if i didn't want to i don't even have to take that step if i don't want to because it's such a good representation to me of what i would want to drink anyway
1: i think you're looking at beer through, through a through very keyhole. small lens yeah no, a keyhole, i don't
2: disagree but that's why i think the best the beer right really now important. the yeah. best
1: beer in the world is coming out of italy yeah Funn- funnily enough I think that's the funny, best that's beer the is coming place out of it Italy out of. and B United actually just picked up a uh Chinese brewery, Master okay. Gao.
2: I don't trust them for shit. Chinese beer is just straight loggers and they're shitty.
1: It's a pale ale actually brewed okay. with tea, yeah, yeah man. it's really fucking good okay <laughs> I what sing-tow. can i what can I do to get you into sing-tow. beer that's not from the United States? Uh just
2: make me drink it, I guess. <laughs> should we to do it? should we do a non should we do a a, a, a import only yeah. episode? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. I will try anything and I will gladly like attempt as best as I can with my limited <laughs> vocabulary, although it's growing. I no longer <laughs> think that uh Garden and <laughs> White Spear are the same thing. See, so here's, the th- here's the I'm funny learning. I'm thing, learning. though, I'm right? Learning. No, you're not. On. You're not at all. Because you're Come
1: referencing on. beers that are like our Budweiser. You're talking about import macros. Okay. And I'm talking about import mom and pops. Okay. Small, tiny-ass craft, but I
2: haven't artisanal a, breweries. But I haven't been abroad, nor do I have, a, like, regular access to that type of beer, like, here in our market. You do, and that's the point of this entire fucking
1: episode: is that be united. This importer is importing the craziest, fucking amazing beers, like that are out there in the world. <laughs> and my I point buy? is, you're just not seeking them out, which is funny to me. And I just, it, to me, it's like a study. I want to know, I want to know why. I want to know why people don't do that. Why they're happy just drinking craft stuff. I'm, t- I'm straight up telling you that. Be united, these importers have figured out how to take a pilsner from Italy, Birfico Italiano. I've had it. Right. But they they figured out a way to get that beer here in a temperature controlled tankard and then they dry hop it and can it here. So you have a craft beer from Italy as fresh as you can possibly drink it when it so comes I to the So I can ship States. a
2: beer after it's already produced in a way that I can actually transport it across waters, which is probably how they or vehicle. ship ship ship. Yes. So it takes like about a week for them to ship it over here. So I brew all the beer already and then I dry hop it the part where I only want aromatics and then ship it. From here after it's been dry Like, logistically, from a brewing standpoint, that shit makes sense. If you're asking me why I don't know about why this shit exists, is because when you walk into a place to consume beer, right now in New York City, that cool, crazy shit that you're talking about is anywhere from, like... a can and upwards, and most people, like me, the average Joe, would not want to pay that much for a single can of beer when I can buy so much other cool craft beer for way cheaper. And then on top of that, no one's really talking about that beer because of its price value and because of how expensive it is. So a lot of people are not exposed to it or drinking it unless they just happen to be in the right place at the right time and you who work in the industry have unlimited access to that so you have a very skewed perspective on what that is and it's an awesome perspective that i hope to (laughs) learn by proxy a lot more i'm just saying this
1: beer is out in our market
2: i can go to a specialty beer shop in new york and find all of this beer yeah i could how many you can name them all in manhattan on one hand probably
1: Maybe. And, I, again, I'm just I'm trying. And, I, 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 I'm not trying to like bust your balls. I'm just trying to figure out why someone like you hasn't tried.
2: I bought my first beer. one the other day. You and I walked into a bottle Hellas. shop.
1: Yeah. The Schlenker Law. Because I was like, oh, I just had this beer and it's tasting so fucking good out of a can. And
2: that's how people taste beer by proxy. So unless, again, you have that specific exposure to it, you're not going to know until you try it so I mean again a lot of it is by like what influences you and like what happens that's why fucking IPAs and all these fucking specific beer types are popping off here right now and they will continue to pop off here everybody's fucking making a New England IPA right now in this area because that's like what people have exposure to there was a time in New York City and it was not that long ago it was like three or four years ago where fucking Hetty Topper would come in and people would fucking flip their titties and be like oh my god we gotta go to this bar right now they have fucking honey topper and i tell you to this day right now they can drop it on instagram the same shit will happen right now it's just in such a bigger mass that now even fewer people can get access to it which somehow makes people want it more it's the supreme effect so if people are getting so hyped about that shit how are anybody going to give any attention towards shit that they don't even know about or hear about unless someone like you who's extremely educated says hey you should try this and I trust you enough to be like, all right, cool. I'm going to spend that much money on a beer that I don't know that I'm actually going to like or not, and I'll take the risk.
1: Yeah. All right. So we got to have a show of just all imported stuff. And when I say imported, I don't mean fucking Hoogarden Garden and Heineken. And no, of like course. That. No I macro mean, like, imports. Super tiniest. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's exposure. I, uh, you asked me a question. I, the, the answer is I think it's exposure. Most people just don't know or don't seek to know because they, they have no, it's just not knowledge that they have. How often do you, when you go out to eat, do you do beer pairings? To what I'm eating, to what I'm actually going to drink?
1: Beer pairings, yes.
2: I It's confusing because a beer pairing could be like an event where they pair beer with food or like me actually just going out to eat. If a
1: restaurant of offers a beer pairing, which means they pair beer with the dishes you get,
2: How often do you do that? I cannot remember the last time I went to a restaurant that had a beer pairing. Wine. How often do you do that with wine then? Uh, The last time wine was offered at a restaurant where it was paired with food, I did it. And I spent a lot of money to do it and it was one of the best experiences of my life.
1: I think maybe that's more of what we have to impart in American beer drinkers is when you go abroad – wine and beer and libation is always part of celebration and eating it, yeah. it's 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 a Absolutely. You know, they're synonymous yeah. with each yeah. other it's
2: the same thing they're both food you right and i think them- we devo- we
1: you know put a definite barrier in this country between
2: beer and food i just don't think people think of them collectively and that's the entire purpose of game brewing company that's what we're trying to impart on people is that those two things are synonymous and they should be great and they do need to be paired like the greatest thing you can create is a perfect bite and that includes what you're consuming in terms of beverage it's it's a i mean i agree with you i don't i don't know again why the general populace doesn't do that it's just something that you don't know until you experience it the right way the same way that like you have a perfect steak and you go, Oh my god, I'm only I'm only ever gonna make it this way. This is this is it. This is I found my spot.
1: Let's play a game. I'm gonna say the name of a brewery and you tell me where you think it's from. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And after okay, okay. I'm gonna give you a fucking okay. softball, a baby who's fucking blind can hit this. Oh my god. Master Gao Brewing Company. Uh
2: Japan. Wrong.
1: China. Uh, Gao. Fuck. Master Gao Brewing Company from Nanjing, China.
2: Is that like Sing Tao? (laughs) No. Am I just dumb?
1: You're really pissing me off. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry, but you're fucking really pissing me off right now. This is dumb and you're so uneducated and I'm trying to educate you and you don't give a shit. What makes you think I don't give a shit? Wild Beer Co. Have you seen them around? Their bottles are... A lot of places. Nope. England. They were in England when I was there. Yeah. That was a hard one. There's really no way to kind of figure that out <laughs> with context clues. Again, another easy one Schlenkerla. Uh,
2: I don't know. Schlenkerla? Europe. They're from Europe.
1: Oh, Germany. That's literally the most German fucking thing I could ever think of shank Belladin. french wrong italy
0: <laughs> Beyond beer, Fi- beer
1: fico italiano italiano yeah it's literally means like italian brewery <laughs> yeah Thanks. uh ducato
2: i'd still say italy
1: yep hit the chino nest
2: uh japan
1: yeah yeah have you ever had anything from hit the chino? are you kidding me no, I really don't know because you're so <laughs> undereducated. I would be surprised if you said yes. <laughs> what have you had from Pittatino? All right.
2: All right. All right. All right. All I, right. I get what your point is, is that I'm, but guess what? i most people are my, uh, level. If at best, my level, if not lower, unless they, know. I would disagree. About beer. I would disagree. Anyway, t- take an, away from this
1: segment is that you should be kind of scouring, uh, shops out there and trying imported beers some cool imported yeah, beers.
2: yeah if i can start making more money at my day job that'd be great you're using that as an excuse and it's a pretty shitty excuse it's not how much I was bought,
1: the, how much was the can of Schlankerlaw you bought the other day
2: n- not the schenker but it was twelve dollars it was twelve dollars
1: no way Sixty ounce cans of of law was not twelve dollars
2: you're totally lying at most, it that was beer was maybe $10. $8. I was going to say, it was close to $10. At, at no, at most, that was 8 At most. I bought a, what's the tipo other Pil- one? Pil- the tipo Pills is $8, a 12-ounce can. It's a $100 a case. I bought that Italian uh, beer we were talking about, the one that was dry hop the other day. was $7 a can, yeah. and it was for 8 ounces Italiano.
1: No, it's 12 ounces.
2: No, it's in a little can. 12 ounces. Still a little A beer can is 12
1: ounces. Yeah. Oof, you're going to come away not looking good in this segment.
2: Yeah, Fine. I Listen, I don't package and sell beer, so.
1: Should we try try the other OVC? I make it in
2: five-gallon batches in a keg. And, again, that's another reason I would argue that I don't have a large exposure to beer. I make a lot of the beer that I want to try, and I have five gallons of it, and I have to drink it mostly myself. So So you're drinking all your homebrew. Yeah, all the time. That's why I homebrew, to make what I want to drink. And again, I would still argue to you that what you're talking about is investing a lot of money to try beer that you're not sure you're going to like. And a lot of people just buy beer that they know they're going to like. They don't want to take the risk. You, But you want to be a Cicerone. Is that correct? That is
1: true. Okay, well, you've got a really, really, really big mountain to climb.
2: Yeah, it's huge. And I would rather climb that mountain through recipe development and making the beer and drinking it myself and figuring out that way.
1: How and are you ever going to brew a beer... Of one you've never tried and don't understand and haven't read how to make. Um, you try one, right? But you just proved you don't know any beer from outside the United States that's not Hoogarden or Heineken. That's not true. So I mean, we're again name me name me another name me a beer name me any brewery outside the United States. No, that's not a macro brewery.
2: That's not a macro brewery. Yeah um cloud water i have exposure to it it's in a style of beer that i like and that's why i've had it i've been exposed to it again we can have this argument as much as you and want and that's a it's dumb like, answer because no, <laughs> they only
1: do stuff that's american inspired they're trying to copy what americans
2: do hey i'm just playing by the rules you're just mad because i uh found one that i'd fits the bill. My point is, even with the answer that I gave you, it's based on what you're willing to take a risk on. Cloudwater was introduced to me as exactly that. They're trying to remake and recycle hoppy IPAs and freaking New England-style IPAs in the UK. That's why I hopped over to them. I was really into Bissell Brothers, and that's how I made the leap. You're willing to try things that are similar that you'll take a risk and actually do it. Like that's how people consume stuff, man I've literally watched a guy Come to me and be like I'm hanging out with this dude right now He's a rest- restaurateur He like goes around the world a lot And is always trying to get me to drink all these different types of beers But you know what? At the end of the day I just want to drink the Budweiser that I've, I know and I love And he gets me to drink all these hoppy beers All these sour beers All this different shit You? What are you wanna... talking about? That's when we went to New Orleans And we met that dude, oh. Jason and he was uh, dragging that his one of his coworkers around that worked for him, and the coworker only drank Budweiser. <laughs> but at least he tried other stuff. He did and he hated all of it and he said I'd just rather drink a Budweiser. So again, all I'm saying is that people gravitate towards what they generally consume and like. And I think right now exposure. you're
1: defending ignorance. I'm not really I'm just saying I'm just
2: saying how people explore beer and find their palates is through the styles that they like. So I went down a rabbit hole on Belgian beer for a really long time because Right, it was so sweet name me and- a
1: beer from Belgium that isn't cougarten.
2: What have you tried from Belgium? That's not too garden <laughs> the Lizza, I've never been to Belgium. <laughs> so the only fucking thing I've had is like Le Chouf. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I mean, that's an actual answer. So <laughs> <That's> good, <it. laughs> good for you. Good for you. That's an actual answer. But That's my point. It's only based on what I've been exposed to. That's what's in fucking Whole Foods when I went there. And that was what was recommended to me. It's based on what you're exposed to. You're getting mad about something that you have an extreme knowledge in because you've been exposed to it. That's like getting mad no, at someone. You're, you're no, like,
1: you're acting like, <laughs> uh, you know, fucking the Holy Spirit came down and fucking put his hand on me. No, I did not this research. I sought out this beer. I wanted to broaden my beer experience. Yeah, I did a lot of
2: you're work. You're the kid who's decided to go abroad, and I'm telling you that most people never leave the United States and are okay with knowing what they know. That's the only—I'm not disagreeing with you you like i have been abroad and had the slight exposure to other shit that i've had and it's made me more curious which is why i'm willing to go down the rabbit hole what i'm saying is is that you're getting frustrated with the fact that people don't have the exposure that you have you are a cicerone you had to study german i'm getting frustrated beers. that like, you don't care
1: it's not because you I don't... claim to care so much about beer and want to brew so many different styles of beer and really really be into beer but you don't you really want to be into First craft of all, American you beer. you
2: can't decide someone's process in exploring something. They have to find it for themselves. You can lead a horse to water. You can't make it drink is an expression for a reason. Yeah. People find the shit that they want to find in the way that they want to find it. That's like going up to someone and being like. Cool. You,
1: you are friends with me, somebody who's who is a Cicerone who drinks a ton of beer yeah. from outside the United States that yeah. works with an importer that brings in all this cool craft Awesome. Beer.
2: I'm also friends with a freaking guy who taught me how to home brew J3PO who loves nothing but German beers and guess what one of the styles are that I drink the least, German styles. So again, even with the exposure that I've had to those things, I choose my path through finding beer and it's a common path in the risks that I'm willing to take in trying something. So I am more likely to try a beer that is local than I am to try something that is abroad. That's just because I choose to make that choice because I'd rather, I mean, again, for me personally, it's just because it's closer. I'm more likely to have something the way that I would expect. I, in the way that I've come to appreciate like fresh beer, I just want something that is like as fresh as possible.
1: Right, and I'm, I'm straight up right now telling you the premise of this entire segment of this podcast yeah. is that there's an importer that exists in Connecticut right now since 1994 that's bringing beer from a little tiny town in Italy and serving it fresh to you where you can go buy it on your shelf in the supermarket if you want to. And that's pretty fucking cool. And they should be applauded for that. Yeah. I'm sorry it's being missed on no, you. But they're doing a great not. a great it's service to your drinkers cool. in the United States.
2: And that's States. cool. And I, I mean, again, I will try it. But like, my only defense to you is that I can also do the same thing from a brewery in New York where we currently live and pay half the price. And so again, again,
1: you're just using price to justify I'm, I'm I think not, again that's a very I'm weak not. argument. It's it's
2: based on exposure. So again, if if you weren't with me and I walk into a place that has beer from all over the place I'm one of the main defining factors on what I'm going to buy is price. It's just nature of sales. Like it's just the way, you know, people are going. They're more And
1: I would argue that with the extreme cost of hops in America, you're going to pay the same amount of money for a 16-ounce can from Italy that you are for a 16-ounce can of beer right down the street because they're going to claim that they use so many hops and that's what jacks up the cost. Cool i'm specifically being a devil's advocate because i'm frustrated at this point in your beer drinking career that you have not been exposed to more things outside the united states and i think that needs to change yeah and And i'm I'm, not trying to be a jerk i want to i want to educate you and bring you through that i just you just need to have an open mind i don't think you're you have an open mind right i
2: i think i have more of an open mind than you think i just don't have the eagerness to explore i think that's the difference And I am more. I am. Aren't you bored with drinking
1: the eighteen hundredth New England style IPA that's coming out in America? No,
2: there's so many different things that are slightly different. Like I, I've continuously. I just drank a fucking um, Greenport Harbor. What was it? The the double IPA that we had the other day. And I I'm no, a, Second round knockout. Second round knock Yeah and I'm still drinking that And I'm just like Damn like This is slightly different than this Which uh, I've had as a double IPA Which is slightly different than this That I've had as a double IPA Like freaking other half Which is a brewery here in New York Comes out with a freaking Single hopped IPA Of every freaking hop That they've ever used There's so many different styles It's a paradox of choice At this point okay. I just drink what I'm exposed to When I walk into a shop I look at a freaking rack of beer And I go That looks cool I actually almost bought A freaking What is it Night owl saison that night i shift. saw our night shift you I, did buy it didn't you did, or you did it. not? yeah i did buy it because you i just beer? made a I i haven't even cracked it yet <laughs> it's still sitting in the refrigerator
1: so where are like, they from
2: do you know where night shift's from the new england the california's
1: massachusetts, massachusetts. <laughs> new england
2: california <laughs> <laughs> places somewhere between the two West dude East if
1: Caribbean. i somehow somehow get <laughs> you prepared to take the C exam. And again, that's not even on me because there you, you have to do so much reading. It's a lot. You'll never yeah. even understand. Yeah. If Let's you do some the if I first. somehow <laughs> contribute to you somehow a billion jillion and one like passing this <laughs> test, <laughs> I deserve something uh, amazing. I deserve like if there a was million if there, dollars. No, no, no.
2: If there was a Nobel Prize of of beer, it would be the Nobel Prize. This is
1: the equivalent of like Stephen Hawking trying to teach like a third yeah, grader astrophysics about astrophysics. Like, yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. I got you. Because
1: it's it's not that they don't want to learn and sit still and pay attention. It's beyond their capability. Yeah, it's just they, and, they and haven't attained that level yet. And I think this is just yet. so beyond your capability at the moment.
2: So again, I've to wrap it all up and to tie it all back to God of Jabru, I have the same approach in beer that I do with fish. And that is, is that, I have terrible, as a human being in life, I have terrible ADHD. And the problem with my ADHD is that there's a paradox of choice. You get overwhelmed really quickly. So the way I tackle that is by saying I take what I'm exposed to and just that, and I learn that. And when I'm when I'm comfortable enough, I move on. So, but you haven't moved on. I I'm still learning. There's still so much to learn about where I'm at right now. I'm not like saying what that, I'm not open to it.
1: I it's like when you've had a New this. England style dry hopped IPA, you've pretty much had them all. You can rotate the different hop varieties, and when you I add so, them in a, in a as brewing someone process, who loves food, but I
2: can't believe you just said that. There's so many different flavors and so many different ways to like manipulate the ingredients that you can get so like I've got right. S- and
1: even if there were thousands and thousands of combinations, you don't think you would have tasted through all of them by now? Absolutely not. And you're not tired of it at all, or even a little Absolutely bit?
2: Absolutely not.
1: Will you ever get to trying beers outside this country?
2: I totally would try a beer outside of this country the next time we meet for this podcast.
1: Sounds great. Like, Looks uh, like you got it on the agenda. <laughs> I just quickly want to talk about the second OEC beer, Fluorescence. Uh, it's very unique. It's a sour ale brewed with Bee United's greenhouse bouquet de fleur of orange zest and citrus leaves. Hopped with Mandarin Bavaria and Mosaic. Mandarin Bavaria was kind of blown up a while ago, a couple of years ago. Everyone was using Mandarin Bavaria. Um, so it's kind of unique because no one's really using it anymore. And Mosaic is obviously a very popular hop.
2: Huh. Ugh. Smells great.
1: I like this better than the Exilis. It's very sharp, but it's sharp in a, like... Acidic citrus way It almost tastes like kefir lime leaves to me Which is a very very pungent flavor But I really like it a lot Sorry listeners for the 1800th time You had to hear the kid chew Into the microphone He's using a water biscuit To clean his palate See so you're actually using it For the pr- correct purposes right now I'm I'm pleased
2: <laughs> Yeah I think I pissed you off Enough this podcast <laughs> Uh, uh, takeaway
1: from this podcast should be: there's a lot, not just Be United. Be United is probably one of the most extraordinary and um, unique importers, God, but there are, there are a, a lot of more. there are a lot of importers bringing really cool beer into the United States, and I think that people should do the best they can to try it and not listen to you worry about price. No, I, again, try I'm not... Try your way around all different stuff. Yeah, and... I, I would argue we live in the United States, so it's very easy to get beer from here, right? And it's yeah. always been easy to get beer from here. Yeah, true. I, my point is, now that the beer scene is kind of exploding and people are getting more and more into beer and it's getting more credibility, there are importers that want to be bringing these really cool mom-and-pop farmhouse, you know, husband-wife team breweries into the united states and here's the
2: better question how does someone like me who doesn't drink a lot of uh beer that's being imported navigate that scene because honestly like me so i work (laughs) in washington square park I can think of maybe two bottle shops between me and Grand Central Station where I can buy said beer. That's like,
1: you can walk to one a couple blocks away from you.
2: Yeah, I I know one on 8th Street. It's in between 5th Avenue and uh, University. What is it? The beer, beer. Some good beer. Some good beer. And I also know Milk and Hops, Hops which is on Broadway. Those are the two between here and Midtown. Those are the only two I know of. So, again, if I'm trying to navigate. You can go
1: to a West Side Market. In New York, which is the equivalent of like a fucking shop right. Okay. And get a Saison du Pont. Okay. And that's my point.
2: Okay. No, but that's what I'm that, saying. That's, how do people that's what I'm that? the crusader for
1: people broadening their horizons and
2: expanding their palate. And how would you, how would you suggest that one would do that who hasn't done it before? What, do what, little what,
1: research. What I, Use this thing called the internet, which we have <laughs> such a privilege to have access to.
2: Or, like, untapped or, like, whatever, you know, like, like, these beer, like, BJCP, I guess. Yeah, haven't you figured out
1: by now in your life that things that you like are always based on something that existed before that? Yeah. And people are always riffing on, like, very traditional things. Yeah,
2: but those things that I like, I explore, like, very, like, in-depth and, like, I slowly go down those separate rabbit holes. I've maybe gone down, like, four at this point of beers that I've liked. So I'm just, I'm just saying, you, you, you have a very slow exposure. So let's say you drink a sour for the very first time. You go, holy shit, there's this one specific sour that I totally like. And you all of a sudden open this door to this wide variety. And there's so many different... So then
1: wouldn't you like, go research sour else and how they were made?
2: And what yeah, produces like, sourness how, how in a beer? How many sour beers can you say are in the market right now? A ton. Guess. like Sa- put a number Sour
1: beer it. is the second most popular style in America right now right. Under,
2: under IPA. So how many?
1: Fuck done. Imagine
2: if, a, 40%, if, if you walk into a of the your you standard see. supermarket and they happen to have half of what's available on the market. Not even, let's say, a third of what they have in the market. How is a general consumer supposed to navigate that plethora of choice? It, it's, it's called the paradox of choice for a reason, but I digress.
1: Victory Brewing Company has a sour beer and a six pack in the market.
2: Yeah. I didn't. I, cool. I've never had it. Brooklyn Brewery yeah. has a sour beer. Those are all domestic. Beer. So, how if I'm, if you're yeah, already starting but, but to I, name I'm off the I'm trying shit, to tell
1: like, you that's a no, no. See, <laughs> God, you are really bad at trying to prove a point when you're wrong. Probably. <laughs> you just asked me what percentage of people who drink sours, and I said a lot. And you're saying, Yeah, what percentage do you think of the beer sitting on the shelf when you walk into a store is sour? And I'm telling you a lot. I'm telling you, the trend is hitting America, and where do you think that comes from? Where are the traditional sour beers produced? Belgium. They're gooses. They're Lambics. They're from Belgium. Cool. Have you ever had a Lambic or a Goose? Probs. Do you know what those styles are?
2: Probs. <sighs>
1: Man, I wish there was, like, a call out to the, the viewership I mean, here, Here's what option. I will say. There's a reason right, you why you're Cicerone and
2: I'm not, and there's a reason why this podcast is such an interesting And I'm because-
1: getting mad because I'm literally giving you the answers and you're trying to fight with me. I'm not. I'm telling you, you need to broaden your palate, and here's how. These people, these great importers that are very close to where we live are importing amazing beer to the market.
2: All I'm saying is that as a general consumer, when you walk into a beer shop, there's so many things that even if you attempt to stab at some stuff, you might not even end on something that's domestic because there's such a plethora of choice both domestic and intern, like, you know, uh, imported. It's just, there's a lot. It's cool. just a so lot. So just- I,
1: I have a dare for you. I have a proposition okay. for you. This sounds awesome.
2: A- Let's go a-
1: next time. I don't know why I just did that weird noise. Next time you go and buy a can or a bottle of domestic beer. I dare you to buy an additional one that is imported.
2: Assuming the place that I'm buying beer has both. <laughs>
1: They all do. I just told you a West Side Market does. Okay. Gristides do.
2: A bodega does. Yeah.
1: Bodegas do. Yeah. I bought I bought a Francis Connor from a bodega in Sunset Park, New York. Okay. So again, I I dare you, I defy you and to let me know when you do it, because I won't no, believe we'll, you or we'll trust you. We'll, we'll, we'll I won't believe back. you
2: or trust you. How about this? How about this? We'll come back next on... Next episode. Not. I don't know by next episode. So <laughs> we're, we're,
1: I'm giving you a good amount I of time there, bro. I don't know
2: when... I, well, first of all, I still have this German beer that I haven't even cracked yet, so technically I already have one. I have... Uh, that and Michelin I have Gorilla. the yeah, Saison yeah, the, the that we were just talking about.
1: Night Shift was from Massachusetts.
2: So technically I've already <laughs> have the done beer the needed. experiment <laughs> just
1: going forward. I think that's a really fun little thing to do.
2: Yeah, that's I guess it's a good call out. Even, even, I, don't think, even like, I don't think people would even have the foresight to like take that initiative to try new shit. No, I, I so then think,
1: even like say like I'm buying a domestic Saison, go, go to the imported section, see if you can find a similar style that was brewed. Outside this country. Same thing. Pale ale. Go see if you can find an imported pale ale. Lager. Go see if you can find an imported lager. People work in these places, these stores, these beer shops. You can ask them. A lot of them are very educated. Yeah, educated. but like,
2: again, a lot of... The- <laughs> you <can> also <laughs> now, go on your phone, go on the internet. Uh, I, Again, I like to, to, to go where my mood takes me. And I, I don't feel at fault for that. I think... It's in it's, it's I'm a not slow, faulting it's a, you for it. I'm saying slow, it's try, a slow way to experiment. So I don't try disagree. our experiment. They'll yeah. definitely
1: get you trying more stuff. Yeah,
2: I, I don't disagree.
1: Cool. So if you do want to know more about Be United, because I think everyone should, apparently everyone but you. Uh good, good Beer Hunting <laughs> just posted a really awesome article about oh, how cool that's Be where United this is, is
2: coming from. No, I'm just joking.
1: No, just a really cool article. <laughs> what they're doing is genius, and pretty revolutionary. And it's going to be something that gets a lot of buzz. So, if you're interested in beer that's produced abroad, check out the United Importers. What do you got here?
2: Uh, I, I have so many song options for this episode. Uh, we are going out on six ten two thousand and twelve. 2012 It's the Bonnaroo Music and Arts Festival in Manchester, Tennessee. And this is the Set opener of set two Golden Age.
0: Yes.
1: Thank you for joining us for this episode of God Jabrew. Got a little heated.
2: It was awesome. Give,
1: give me a high five, yeah, the kid.
2: We're, we're all, we always come out of this. So we, elbows. Go, elbows. Right, Bow. Wait, one, two. Uh, got it. Bow. We it. We nailed it. <laughs>
1: Uh, thank you for joining us for this episode. We will catch you next time. I am the Lizza.
2: And I am the kid. You totally snuffed my ending, so I you did. gotta do the end now.
1: <laughs> we'll catch you next time
0: <laughs>
2: I don't sound like that. <laughs> Fuck you.
0: But i lose my balance the ground's and in all this balance. And silence was a step in Oh Lord, mercy me And though you can't stop what's coming up And you're never gonna stop coming gonna- up